Father, we thank you for this time together. We thank you, Jesus, that uh, we can look at your word. We can get encouragement from your word, Lord Jesus. I pray, Lord God, that you'd be with us in our homes as we scattered across the city. Thank you, Lord God, that even though we're apart, we are unified because of you, Lord Jesus. And I just pray your blessing and your life over every single person in every single home of every single child. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. So we are now in uh, week seven of being in lockdown um, and doing church differently. This has been a, a massive learning curve for not only for us, but for all of our staff. And just we live in a different world. Coronavirus is going to change the world completely and it's going to look different after this. But what an amazing time to be alive. I think this is an incredible moment where we've seen the gospel expand like the book of Acts. And we're carrying on our series in the book of Acts, and this is week two of lockdown response. I don't know, maybe week eight or ten of, uh, of being in the book of Acts. And we're going to kind of go in and out of the book of Acts over the next few months, because I think it's such a key book in this time. And for us to learn from, be encouraged from, knowing that uh, there's people that have gone before us who've gone through tougher situations and how they actually got through these different situations. And hopefully we can learn from it, have hope and have courage. And that I'm going to start with a scripture out of James 4. And I said, I think I said two weeks ago that scripture seems to make a lot more sense than it did in the past. And, uh, and I want to just read this. And it's, it's James 4.13. It says, Now listen, uh, you who say today or tomorrow we'll go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. We were always planning what we're going to do next with our next holiday, all of these things. In verse 14, it says, why do, you, uh, why you do not even know what will happen tomorrow? What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and we'll do this or that. And I feel like we're living in something of that time. Is that uh, we are, we are, it's, for me, this just shows our dependence, our submission, our humbling ourselves before our Father in heaven, and we're trusting Him in this time. So we're going to look at a few, uh, two, two points I had. Uh, the first point I started with last week is that the, the church, when they were in lockdown, when Peter was put into prison, the church prayed earnestly and it flipped the situation completely around. And you're going to see that uh, this, this happens time after time in the book of Acts. And I'm just going to pick up a few points. So the first point that I have is their response to prison or being in lockdown is that they praised. And you can turn in your Bibles to Acts 16. Um, I've, we've got a little bit of a different setup at the moment today. Bruce is in the background. He's watching me with his fantastic looking moustache. It's getting thicker by the second. Uh, and normally I'd have a, a screen of the church, but I've got an audience of one. And it's not just Jesus, it's Bruce behind me. So Acts 16, and we don't have time to read all of it. But if you look at what actually happened in Acts 16, Paul, Paul and Silas, they're going to the area of Philippi or Philippi, however, however you want to say it. And they go into this, this area and they deliver this girl who was possessed by a demon who used to tell fortunes. And not only did they deliver this girl and the owners, and she was a slave girl, the owners got angry with Paul and Silas. And uh, they obviously took their, their way of making money away from them. And uh, they sent them into prison. And we pick up in Acts 16, 23. And just, just before I start reading, um, we've... I haven't, I've preached the gospel in fairly hostile areas and at different parts of my life, and, but nothing, obviously nothing like this. But I remember I was saved in 2001. In 2002, we went on a, a missions trip to Zimbabwe. Now, Zimbabwe is a very Christian nation, 
But uh, we went in a time when it was very volatile politically and um, we went and we went innocently and I was part of the group that we used to draw the gospel. I mean, there is better methods to preach the gospel. It used to be like there were two cliffs and then Jesus came with the cross in the middle. You know that story. For those of you who've been followers of Jesus for a while, you know that that's like a super simple way. It wasn't the most effective way of preaching the gospel in Zimbabwe. But uh, And anyway, so we went into this uh, quite a rural uh, area, uh, a village, like a market area, and we set up our little whiteboard and we start preaching the gospel. And different people were doing plays and it was just, uh, yeah, anyway, it was, it was interesting and fun. And, um, and something happened, all of a sudden, there was just two or three people that were kind of drunk in the crowd. They started to entice the crowd and the crowd started to turn on us to the point where we started to be chased by a whole bunch of group of people. So I don't think they were chasing us because we were preaching the gospel. Maybe, maybe we were coming in an opposite spirit and we were doing stuff and kind of shaking things in the atmosphere. But it was a very uh, politically unrest time at that stage. And anyway, we started to run away from these guys and we were being chased. I remember someone had a, a kind of an open bed truck and we just threw all the girls on. So there's probably about 10 girls on the truck and all the guys were, were running afterwards. And I remember just running, jumping on the back of the truck, grabbing someone. And then there's this whole crowd following us. So I can say that I can maybe understand something of this, but it wasn't quite the same. So Acts 16, 23, it says, after they had been severely flogged, which means they've been whipped. They were thrown into prison and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. When they received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. At about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening. Amazing. Suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. And I've visited people in, uh, in jail and in prison before and I was like, you try to bring that to a modern context. Can you imagine two Christians get thrown in jail for preaching the gospel, for delivering this girl and setting her free of demonic oppression. And all of a sudden, as they begin to pray and worship, all the cells open up. And that's... Uh, Crazy, crazy moment. But what, if we have to pick up a few things from that, if you think of what they were going through, their, their backs were literally open from, from being whipped. They, they were like, the, the whips those days weren't like a little kind of a stick. It, was, it would literally tear the flesh off your back. And, uh, and it's amazing that their response was praise and not pessimism. And they could have just looked back and said, God, where were you in all of this? And they just began to pray and worship God. And um, the amazing thing, if we look at Acts 12, which we covered last week, they prayed and the whole situation was, was turned on its head. Here they began to worship and the earth quaked. The earth began to rumble and everyone was set free out of, out of prison. And there's so much we can say about that. That praise for me changes our perspective, our position and our purpose. It, it changes the atmosphere that we're in. And we've seen this time after time. And I've got to be honest, I miss I miss worshiping together. 
It's nice worshiping at home, but for those of you who have kids, you know that it's not this undivided worship. It's, it's quite distracting. I'm picking up Rocco and I'm putting Raya down and I'm feeding and I'm changing a nappy and I'm trying to be involved and trying to be uh, in, uh, kind of engaged in the service, but it's different. And I'm saying I'm longing for those moments. And we've, we've had some incredible moments as a church where we've seen praise go up and we've seen a shift in the atmosphere. Um, we even see with our little kids, sometimes they, they're crying and they're going crazy and Starla puts on worship in their background and all of a sudden they just go quiet. And uh, there's, there's, there's definitely something to that. And uh, I love what it says in Ephesians 6.12. It says, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, I'm not talking about my kids, uh, but against rulers and against authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. And Paul and Silas understood that their opposition that they were facing came from something that was unseen. So they couldn't fight this battle in the way that uh, through clever intellect, they had to only fight this battle through prayer and through worship. And that is honestly the time we're living in. And um, I've shared the story many times in church, so forgive me, but it's, I think it's very apt. We, um, about three years ago now, went on an amazing holiday for, uh, it was around our eighth or ninth anniversary or whatever it was. And um, we went to Thailand, saved a lot of money, went across there. And the second or third day of being there, I felt physically uh, a demonic attack come against me. I, there's no other way to explain it that it, there was a mix of burnout and uh, the, the enemy somehow knew that. I'd been pushing too hard in some areas. And uh, yeah, and I just, I remember sitting at dinner and I felt like this kind of something wrap around my shoulders and I just felt this heaviness come upon me. And thankfully, I'd bought a little guitar with me, a little mini Taylor guitar, which I ended up giving away to someone. And uh, this, this, this Taylor became my little weapon. And I would sit in the bathroom and Starla would be enjoying our incredible, we had this little villa that overlooked the ocean and our own pool. It was just, it was mind blowing. It's, if I think about how amazing it was, the food was amazing. I couldn't enjoy all of it. I had this anxiety inside of me, but I, I would worship and worship and worship. And I honestly believe that that was the key part that got me out of that place. That if I just succumbed and submitted to that spirit, that was trying to oppress me, trying to bring me down, trying to uh, depress me. If I'd submitted to that spirit, I may have been in a different position today. And I can tell you that worship is the way out. Worship is, is it, it changes our perspective. It, it pulls the chains off us. It's where the enemy tries to get in, worship is the thing that just throws it off. And I want to encourage you in this time, worship at home. If you don't play guitar, piano, whatever it is, stick on, a, 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 on your iTunes, on your phone, put it on a YouTube, on a, put a YouTube, put, the, put YouTube on TV and watch it and engage and, 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 and worship Jesus because it, it, it creates a spacious place around you that, that you never had before. A struggle is not against flesh and blood. And what happens in verse 32? They're all set free. Then the... Uh, the, the jailer was about to kill himself and Paul stops him and says, don't do that. The jailer invites them to, his, to their home. And um, in verse 32, it says, when they spoke the word of the Lord to him, this is Paul to the jailer and to all the others in his house, the jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before him. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in, in God, he and his whole household. And I love how God just uses this moment of Paul being in prison. 
is that we can look at the coronavirus and whatever you believe about it, whether God allowed it or um, if God's working within it. For me, that doesn't, in, in a sense, doesn't matter because actually what matters is that God is doing something incredible in this time. And then the jailer was saved. And if you look at the whole story of Acts 16, it, it's the, the, the story of Acts 16 is about salvation. It's about worship, yes. It's about spiritual warfare, yes. But it's about salvation. If you look at the three characters, it starts out with Lydia, who is a dealer in purple cloth. He meets her down at the river, leads a whole bunch of ladies to Jesus. Uh, there was the female slave, which uh, she owned nothing, not even herself. She gets set free. She joins the church in Philippi. You have the jailer and his family, who was most likely a retired middle-class soldier, and he gets saved. And for me, that's such a picture of God's heart, that his heart is to save everyone everywhere. He's, he's out in this time, in the moment of the coronavirus, in the moment of adversity, in the moment where people are losing their jobs and they're asking big questions and that everything around them is falling and failing. They're asking questions. Jesus is saving them. Week after week, we're seeing people saved in City Lights. And I want to encourage you, if, if you have responded over the past few weeks, please click on Next Steps, get involved. Uh, we'll connect you with a leader who will pray with you and walk you through a journey of following Jesus. My second point is that they showed perseverance and purpose. And I've mixed two in one just because it's a little bit easier. And... Um, the Bible says, and I think it's in Hebrews, it says, through faith and patience, we inherit the promises of God. Through faith and patience, and I can say perseverance, we inherit the promises of God, His purpose. And patience hasn't come easy to me. I've, uh, I wish it was a natural trait inside of me. And, um, and, I've, and I've seen it in my little girl, Raya. She, unfortunately, is not patient at all. She just like, if this thing doesn't work, I've stuck it in my mouth. And if this, this little toy doesn't do exactly what I tell it to do, she throws it aside next to it. And it's just this, this impatience. And I see a lot of myself in her, which uh, I feel sorry for in a way, because God's going to have to take on a little bit of a journey in learning patience. And uh, there's been many moments in my life where I've had to wait for the calling of God. I've had to wait for kids. I've had to wait for all of these things where God is, is teaching patience. It's not like... Cool, it's a fruit of the Spirit. There we go, you get it. You, you learn patience by being patient for something. And uh, this we can see clearly in um, what happened with Paul. At the, at right at the end of Acts, which we might get to again at some point, in Acts 28, I'm going to read two passages of Scripture, 28 verse 16 and 30 to 31. It says here in uh, 28 verse 16, when, when he got to Rome, Paul was allowed to live by himself, with the soldier to guard him. That's amazing. And then in verse 30 it says, For two whole years Paul stayed there in his own rented house and welcomed all who came to see him. He proclaimed the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. And Paul was in lockdown there. He wasn't in jail like he had been before, but he was, he was guarded. He wasn't allowed to necessarily leave, but he was allowed to have people come in. And the amazing thing for me, when I look at Acts 28, if we go read the whole chapter, is that Paul never stopped being Paul. He still healed people. You read in, at the beginning of Acts 28. He preached the kingdom and he wrote letters. Some of Paul's greatest epistles came out of when that time when he was in Rome in prison. And if you look at the book of Ephesians, Colossians, Philippians, and, and Philemon, those were the books that were written 
when he was in isolation. So Paul used his isolation well. He, he, he learned perseverance, but he also had purpose in his isolation. And can I say for us, we, and I know of myself, we, we're prone to wonder. Like we, our minds wander away. We, we can get locked onto other things. And this is a time to keep focused. This is a time to keep the oil in our lamp. We used to sing that song as a kid. Give me, give me oil in my lamp. Keep me burning, burning, burning. It's, it's, let's just keep our hearts aflame in the presence of God. Let's keep our, the, the, our hearts in touch with Jesus, being filled with the Spirit, listening to worship, engaging in worship, setting the tone of worship in your own home. And we'll see what God begins to do in and through us in this time. And uh, I did a little bit of research, and if you look, uh, Isaac Newton, he was, in the, he, he was in isolation in the middle of the bubonic plague. He was at Cambridge, they forced him to go home, and they said in that time of isolation, that this, he developed some of his theories on gravity, calculus, and optics. It's also said of Einstein, the famous scientist, that uh, his theory of relativity was, was birthed in a place of isolation during the Spanish flu of 1918 to 1920. He was not known before that. He came out of isolation and became one of the foremost scientists of the day. And, and it's in that moment of, of being alone and reflecting and thinking that this incredible stuff began to come, come out. And I want to encourage you, do, do the things that you haven't been able to do. Maybe some of you have already started. I started drawing and, and doing art for the first time in like 20 years. It's, a, it's rusty. It needs a bit of work. Um, and, um, but I'm, I'm trying to do stuff that I've wanted to get to in a long time. I've even got an old coffee machine sitting next to Bruce right now that I intend to fix by the end of the isolation. We'll see if that happens. Um, I've got songs that I've started to, to look at and say, God, like I know you've called me to write song, more songs. And I've got a little bit of extra time in between the moments of looking after twins and doing church stuff and preparing sermons. There's time to do things. There's time we wouldn't have before. This unhindered time to, to focus on these things. Jesus understood isolation. He understood that perseverance. Jesus had 30 years of being prepared, knowing he's the son of God, knowing that there's this moment in history where he's going to step out for three years, but it took him 30 years to get there. And just as he steps out, the Holy Spirit leads him for 40 days of isolation in the desert. And it says that Jesus came out of the desert in power. And uh, how are we going to come out of isolation? How are we going to come out of this moment, this, uh, as everyone's calling it, this unprecedented time in our history where no one in the last 40, 50, 60 years has walked through something like this? Ever since World War II, I think there hasn't been something as world-changing as this. There's been moments that have changed the world, but it's been quite isolated. But this is a worldwide thing that everyone is talking about. Are we going to come out with more vision, more fire, or we're going to be flat with no vision. And, uh, and that's all up to us. And that's taking responsibility upon ourselves, leading ourselves in this time. I love this psalm, Psalm 40, verse 1 to 3. And it so speaks of perseverance and patience and purpose. Um, it says, Psalm 40, verse 1, I waited patiently for the Lord. We are waiting patiently for Jesus now. He turned to me and he heard my cry. God is hearing all of our cries right now. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and the mire. He set my feet on a rock and he gave me a firm place to stand. That's what Jesus is doing in this time. He's, uh, 
He's giving you and I a firm place to stand in, in our characters and our hearts. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in him. It's an amazing moment of people being reached. I'm going to look on my phone in a few seconds. Uh, just uh, I found an article just how there's been an increase in people coming to faith. There's been an increase in praying. There's been an increase because of this time of the coronavirus. And I just want to end on this one scripture, and it's, it's Joseph talking. And it's at the end of Genesis, in Genesis 50, verse 20. And he says this, You intended to harm me, he's talking to his brothers, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. And if you look at uh, uh, the story of Joseph, you had this arrogant little teenager who was his dad's favorite, who had a multicolored, uh, uh, what's a technicolored dream coat, but he just had a like, multicolored coat. He was, the, he, he was the favorite. His brothers hated him. They threw him in a pit. Another brother felt sorry for him, so they took him out of the pit, sold him into slavery. These slaves took him to Egypt. He found a job with Potiphar. He worked for Potiphar. Uh, Potiphar's wife falsely accused him of wanting to sleep with her. Meanwhile, she wanted to sleep with him. Big story, big drama. He gets thrown in jail and he just gets forgotten. And he has this incredible gift on his life of, of dreaming dreams and interpreting dreams. And, and, uh, and, he, and he interprets dreams in jail. And then eventually there comes a point where all of a sudden he's, he's taken out of jail, taken into the king's presence. He interprets Pharaoh's dream and he gets put second in charge in the whole of Egypt, one of the leading empires of the day. And it's amazing because if you look at his story, he started as, with, a, with a lot of arrogance and just kind of uh, maybe thought too much of himself or whatever it was. And God had to take a whole bunch of stuff out of him so he could put stuff in him for the future that he has for him. And I believe in this time, on a personal level, God is doing something not only in my heart, but if, as I talk to people, is that are we willing for God to, to take out stuff of our lives that we don't need anymore? Just if you, the, the old method of... Um, of purifying gold is that they used to put it in, they used to heat it up and then all the impurities used to float to the surface, it used to get skimmed off and then what was left was this pure gold. These days they use different acids and all that kind of thing to purify gold but the, in this time of, of kind of bit of crunching and uh, it's, it's difficult and we can't do what we want to do and some of our <laughs> plans have been messed up because we wanted to do this and we can't anymore and the world's going to look different and there's a sense of mourning but are we going to let God just just let the, just turn up the fire in our hearts so it can skim off all the stuff that's in our life so we can see pure gold come out the other end. And I, I, God's been putting his hand on different areas of my life. And at times I'll, I'll just, and I think it's learning to be self-aware and learning to listen. And as I react to something maybe that Star does or I do or, or, or something, and I was like, why did I react like that? Father, why did I react like that? And God takes me on a whole journey of, of reorientating my heart. So I'm praying that out of this, God has done something, some deep work inside of me. Even as I pray that, I'm a little bit afraid. But if we pray that prayer, we'll see that God wants to use us greatly the other side of this and even in this moment. I want to read Romans 5 as we end. Incredible piece of scripture. Actually, before that, let me just read to you what's happening in uh, churches across this uh, this is in the UK. They did a, they did a study that, uh, that prayer has gone up 5% in 
across and church attendance across the whole nation. Uh, more people are doing Alpha. Alpha course, Nikki Gumbel says that there's three reasons. They're asking new questions about faith because of the crisis. They suddenly have time to do it. And the online format is easier and accessible and less intimidating. People are coming to faith in these times across the UK, which has largely been known as a, a really secular country and a London being a sec, an incredibly secular city. It says one of the most encouraging thing from the survey they found that young adults from 18 to 24, particularly responding in these are, are men that are more likely to attend church and pray for the first time than women. And you just think God is, God is doing something. He's shifting something in the atmosphere over the whole world. And I want to read this scripture. And this is an encouragement not only to us, but to the church. It says, therefore, since we have been justified through faith, Romans 5, we have peace with God through Jesus Christ. Start there. Through whom we have gained access by faith into the grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope, the glory of God, not only so, but we also in our sufferings. Sorry, not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings. Because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who has given to us. God is the ultimate goal through all of this is God pouring His life into us. The power of His Holy Spirit, His peace. And, uh, and I want to encourage you, if, if you, like I've said week after week, if, you, if, you've, if you're not experiencing peace in your heart, you don't know Jesus, I'd encourage you to click on the, the icon. You'll see, I, I raise my hand, I want to surrender to Jesus. Click on the thing that says next steps. We'll have leaders who get hold of you. And I want to lead you into a, a moment of finding Jesus. And I heard an encouraging report uh, this week Someone who's been coming to our church for a while, uh, someone actually led him to Jesus this week. And I just thought, ah, oh, that's amazing. And we're going to start hearing more and more stories. Jesus is the only hope. He's the only one we can pin our lives, our salvation, our future to. And when we do that, we can live free and at peace. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word that encourages us, that builds us up, that makes us more like you. It, it, it takes away the stuff that we don't need. So Father, I just pray again, Lord God, I pray for your blessing over each home, your blessing, your blessing over each family, uh, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. I want to encourage you, if you uh, have responded, just get, get hold of us. We also have Hangouts, which is going to happen straight afterwards. We've got a prayer team that is waiting to pray for you. You can click the prayer icon. A lot of that is going to be anonymous, so they're going to keep it uh, private between, between them, but they want to really want to pray for breakthrough and see God come through for you in incredible ways. We'll see you next week, week eight. We've got some exciting stuff planned. <laughs>